Welcome back to another episode of the Growing Lean podcast. I'm your host, Dylan Burke, also known as Deej. I'm happy to be here with Bradley Jacobs um, from MyLance. Welcome, Bradley. Thanks, Dylan. Amazing. So could you start us off by telling us about your business and the history of you and the business? The history of me and the business. I started the business in January of 2020. And what really brought me to start the company was I was a fractional executive after leaving Uber. And I was working mostly with seed and series A companies to help them launch their marketplaces. And I frankly loved the part-time way of life. Um, and I also saw the challenges with the part-time way of life, whether it's lead generation, taxes, bookkeeping, health insurance, you name it. And I found a problem to solve and an, an industry I was really passionate about, a part-time work and making that sustainable. And so I founded the company um, right at the beginning of COVID. So it ended up being a crazy time to start a company. But um, I guess no better time than when you're stuck at home and just need to you know, put your head down and build. So. Okay, great. And what did you do before you started the business? Before, when I graduated college, I was a management consultant for about a year and a half. I didn't even last my two years. I got bored very quickly. And I joined Uber in 2014 on the operations side. And that was ended up being a, a crazy time to join and a rocket ship of a company. I worked, uh, I managed nine markets in the North Carolinas for about two years. I then moved over to Uber Eats. I launched Miami and Milan for Uber Eats and then moved out to San Francisco and helped launch the Uber Freight business. Uh, managed our automation team for about two years there and grew to about a billion dollar valuation in, in that two years. And then was really sick of building companies for somebody else. So that's when I quit and went on my own as a fractional in 2018. Okay, amazing. And could you walk us through your overall business strategy? There's a few things to, to answer this question I think would be helpful. One is, especially when you're starting out, it's just move the needle every day. It's find a way to just get closer to whether it's customers or just more revenue, profit, whatever it is, right? It's For me, it's finding a way to the night before actually uh, schedule out what I'm going to do. What, what are two to three needle moving activities for the next day? So even if I wake up feeling like crap or just unmotivated, then I know what I need to do to move the needle. And if nothing else happens that day, I can do those two or three things. That's number one. And then number two, I'd say is stay super close to your customer. I just got off a customer call where I'm just asking for feedback, right? Tell me everything. What do you like? What do you don't like? I make it really clear that you're not going to hurt my feelings if you don't like something or when you don't like something. And I think it's really important because people, people aren't great at giving feedback. And yet it's probably, even though it's sometimes hard because it's, it is your baby, the business is and the product is, but you have to learn how your baby could be better. Otherwise you're, you're never going to, you're never going to really crack the code. So, um, I, I learned that at Uber, I used to answer driver emails all day, every day in my first few years. And, uh, you, there's no better way to learn the business than hear basically your customers complain, and tell you what's wrong and they can, they can get upset and that can be hard to hear, but um, just stay super close to your customer. Yeah, I, I 100%, 100% agree with you. Um, even me, when I'm applying for jobs or in sales, I ask for direct criticism just so even if they're not happy to go with us, um, I know where to better myself. And I think it's really, it's a cool um, idea to have and to accept that. 
Yeah. And I'll, I'll just add on when, when I first started the business, we would run a coaching program to help people launch their consulting businesses. And the first cohort I ran, I frankly didn't really know what I was doing. And I just, you know, made up all the course content and the structure and whatnot by myself. And after I ran the cohort, I asked for feedback and our average score was, I think a six out of 10. And I was pretty upset. I was like, this is not what I want. Right. And I went to every customer and I interviewed them. I spent an hour on the phone with every single customer. I was like, what was good? But most importantly, like, what did you not like? And it was really hard to have those conversations early on. I was not used to having my own customers. I wasn't used to having customers, much less having them be not that happy. Um, But I took all their feedback and in two weeks, totally revamped the program. And then the next cohort, our average score was a 9.5 out of 10. And it, it was not an easy thing to do, but uh, it's like either lean into the feedback or ignore it. And I think you really only have one option there. Yeah, 100%. And so you, like you said, you started in COVID. Um, how did that shape the way your business operated? Because obviously everything went online and it just changed everything. It changed everything. And I didn't know any other way. Right. I started in COVID basically. So I didn't, there's, there's no other frame of reference for me, but it was one, anyone I'm going to work with, whether it's an employee, a consultant, or a customer is by definition remote. Right. So I have time zone issues when I work with people in, you know, in Southeast Asia or even South America is a few hours different. Um, so definitely time zone and just like communicating remotely is. A huge challenge. It's just not the same as being able to walk over to somebody in an office and tap them on the shoulder and say, Hey, um, I think that's number one. And then COVID, you know, just transformed the way we all look at work. It's where we work, but it's our relationships with our employers. And uh, obviously tons of people got laid off and the world was just a different place. And it really accelerated people wanting to work for themselves or having more time to work for themselves, interested in side businesses, interested in consulting, and so that was an amazing thing and continues to be an amazing thing as as horrible as COVID was and is for the people that are now interested in working on their own. It's it's good for my business and people coming to me saying, hey, I want to fill my pipeline with leads and and grow this business. And that's that's what we do. Yeah, 100%. I think it definitely played a huge effect on how people's minds worked in terms of businesses and working remotely. Like I work remotely and it's completely changed the game. This would never have been possible before. Right. And honestly, I enjoy it, but some people find it quite hard. Yeah, totally. Um, could you talk about like what, what have been your biggest challenges that you faced and how have you dealt with them? I'd say in the first even few years of the business, it was frankly trying to do too much. I never, I'm not good at saying no to customers. And so we built a bookkeeping offering. We built a coaching program. We built a community. We were building website software. We built an invoicing tool. We built a marketplace. We built so many things to add value to them without really answering the question of what is the one thing that a customer is going to come to us for? What is the one specific problem that we solve? And who is that customer that we're going to solve it for? And if I could go back and talk to myself four years ago, it would be do one thing, do it best in the world and say no to everybody else, at least temporarily, or find partners where say, hey, 
you know, we're not going to do taxes and bookkeeping, but we'll send you to this partner and, oh, we'll get a kickback. So we'll still monetize that customer, but it's, we, we can't deliver everything. And that's, if I just have one learning, I still have all, you know, new entrepreneurs come to me all the time. They, you know, they want to build the, the one-stop shop for this and the one-stop shop for finance people and the one-stop shop for property managers, whatever it is. And I'm like, what is the problem you're solving specifically, right? Because it's really nice idea to go add all this value in practice. It just doesn't work out. And you end up being average at a bunch of things and not really great at anything. And that ends up being a problem. So if I had to pick one thing, we've done much better this year, really focusing only on lead generation for fractionals. Um, but we definitely learned the hard way of navigating product market fit and building a bunch of other stuff that, uh, frankly, we're not using as much anymore. We're really focused on lead gen. Okay, cool. So basically you're saying like finding your niche and sticking to that instead of just spreading yourself way too thin. Absolutely. I mean, it's as simple as, yeah, when we have one of our customers is building, um, he's, he's, he's consulting and then he's also building a community tool. And he told me, he was telling me about it and he was like, yeah, it's for, you know, niche communities. It's for uh, newsletter writers and for podcasters. Right. And it, and it helps connect their audiences with each other. And it's like, sounds great. Pick one, <laughs> pick one that needs this the most and then go all after that one. And nobody wants to do it. Because you're like, I don't want to say no to all these people. What if what if my tool could work for everybody? But uh, then you basically don't build the right feature set. And you end up with, again, an average product versus a really freaking good one for one type of user. Yeah, 100%. Um, we've been narrowing down our target market. And it keeps getting narrower and narrower and narrower. And it just, it just makes more sense for us. Because we find out that we're better at one type of business than another. And I think that's... A lot of businesses should focus on that. Can you uh, talk about any metrics or KPIs that you use to measure the success of your business? And how has AI impacted this, if any impact at all, because of the AI revolution over the past couple of years? For me, we're a SaaS business these days. So everything's about retention, right? It's all about engagement and retention. Acquisition can be definitely important. How many people are you getting in the door? Because we need customers to retain. So, you know, we obviously look at website conversions and we look at all the funnel conversions of, it's not as simple as I initially thought it was going to be, right? It's not just like someone lands on your website and then you have a customer, right? You have lead magnets and you have funnels that nurture them into different products and then you upsell and you downsell. And there, there's all these different funnel metrics that we track. Um, and then, but it's really about retention. At the end of the day, if I get a user and I pay to acquire that user, how long are they staying with me? And, and what percentage of users are ideally staying forever? I want a product that's so freaking good that you not only don't cancel, but that when your credit card gets declined for whatever reason or your expiration happens or whatnot, that you're calling me to say, hey, make sure I have continued access to this product, right? Because if that happened with your... Right, like that's the mentality. So we're not your internet provider. We're not Netflix, right? We're, we're not one of those crucial services like your internet or your air conditioning or something like that. But I want our customers to love our product so much that they almost feel that way. Um, so at the end of the day, it's 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 that. And then and one of the ways we measure product market fit is through the Sean Ellis score, which is how disappointed would you be if we took this away? And the goal is to get to 40% of very disappointed. So okay. that's one of the things we look at. Yeah. Okay, great. Well, 
look, if your business uh, translates from the energy that you have, I'm sure, I'm sure your customers must love you. <laughs> um, so have you had any partnerships or collaborations that have helped you grow your business? And if so, how did you find them and how did you decide to go with them? Are these like companies or individuals or any of the above? Any of the above. One thing I did early on that was super helpful. I'm a solo founder. I formed pretty much an informal advisory board early, early on of people that I knew from my career that kind of had different expertise in different areas. And I gave them a small amount of equity across a few years. And I just said, hey, look, I want to be able to meet with you monthly. I want your honest feedback. And yeah, I want to be able to pick up the phone if I need to and call you. But most importantly, I want to meet with you monthly. I'm going to present to you how it's going, questions I have, where I'm going, goals I'm setting. And I want your, I want you to be on my board, basically. And again, not a formal board, board right? It's like an informal advisory. And that was incredibly beneficial for the first year, year and a half until I actually had a team. Because otherwise, you're kind of in this vacuum yourself, making decisions and trying to figure out which way is up and... Uh, it can be very lonely and very challenging. And you don't come to the best answer alone. You just don't. You, you need smart people to bounce things off of. So I think that's one thing I did early. That's one thing I did early on that I highly recommend, especially for solo founders. If you have a, a founder, uh, co-founder, I, I think it could be a bit of a different story, but I actually still recommend it. And the second thing I did is I joined a mastermind of a few other friends. So it's not like a formal uh, structure or anything like that. But it's uh, one of my friends from Duke, where I went to college, invited me. And then there was four or five of them that would meet every single Tuesday afternoon for two hours. And they were all solo founders. They were all at similar stages of the business, all really, really talented, smart people, but just hadn't been founders before. And we would, we would give updates on the business. We would discuss a topic. And then we would share questions for the group. So maybe my question for the group would be like, okay, should I fundraise right now? Or... How should I think about the pricing of this offer or whatever it is? And we would just, you know, for 15 minutes, a person go around and, you know, shoot the shit and, and support each other, ask good questions, be thoughtful. And I, there's no way you could have told me that I'm going to spend two hours on my Tuesday, every Tuesday night doing this. And I went to my first few sessions with them and it was incredibly valuable just to like see other people in the weeds. We were all really honest. No one's like boasting about their success or anything like that. It's like, Hey, I'm struggling with this. This is really hard. I'm feeling like a two out of five today. You know, I need some love, what, whatever it was. And we still do it. Um, you know, people have kind of come in and out of the group, but I've been in that group for two and a half years now. And uh, it's been amazing. We've gone to Mexico together. We've, you know, met in person a number of times at this point, we know each other's personal lives very well. Uh, it's been one of the best things that I've ever done for to help me on this journey. That's amazing. I I think I'm going to start talking to some people and try to get that started. Yeah, that sounds super beneficial. Yeah, it's been amazing. that's amazing. And then, so we're coming to the end of the podcast. But before we go, what advice would you give to other other business owners looking to succeed in your industry? So many ways I could take this. I think. I really stand by the needle moving activities. So many people do things that just don't freaking matter, myself included. Like the way I procrastinate is I build business models. I was like, we'll project out our revenue for the next 12 months, which is relatively useless exercise once you have like a basic, you know, cash projection down. Um, 
like focus only on needle moving activities. And frankly, needle moving means revenue growth, customer retention, maybe profitability. That's it. Like if the activity is not going to do that, it's probably not a good use of your time. So that's one. And then the second is just surround yourself with really high performing people, positive, optimistic, moving. And I say moving the needle. It's my phrase of the day, apparently, um, you know, creative people that are pushing the boundaries of stuff because it's so easy. So many people are either just complaining or they're stagnant in their careers or they're just afraid to really go out there because it's scary. It's totally scary to do what we're doing. And you got to surround yourself by people that are being uncomfortable every day. And then it becomes more normal for you to do it too. Amazing. Thank you so much. And thanks for being on the show, Bradley. Uh, we really appreciate it. So before we sign off, what is the best way for people to get in touch with you? Um, just in case you have any offers for them that they could take advantage of, or even if they can just learn from you. Yeah. I mean, best way is LinkedIn. I post very often on LinkedIn. I share stories from Uber, from my consulting journey, from building my Lance as well. So connect with me on LinkedIn. I'm really active there. And then check out my Lance. I mean, we have, you know, if you're looking to fill your pipeline as a fractional executive, that's, uh, that's the best way to do it. Okay, perfect. We'll be sure to put your name and your LinkedIn name in the description when we post this. But thank you, Bradley. I appreciate it. Thanks for having me.